0: This is Back of House News, where we cover the biggest restaurant and food service industry headlines. This week, we discuss a recent vote in DC to eliminate the tipped minimum wage and how it'll work. Plus, we take a look at the potential industry impacts of getting rid of the tip credit and where the initiative could be headed next. For more, we go to Back of House reporter Grace Dickinson. Hi, Grace. As always, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Claudia. Happy to be here.
0: So, on November 8th, The votes came in and we saw D.C. voters overwhelmingly approve to eliminate the tipped minimum wage, with ballot initiative 82 racking up over 74 percent of the vote. So can you tell us a little bit more about what it means for D.C. and when this new rule will be rolled out?
1: So D.C. will be phasing out the tipped minimum wage across the next five years, so until 2027. And its currently hourly tipped wage stands at $5.35, and that's going to rise by a couple dollars per year until it reaches $16.10 which is the standard right now in DC for non-tipped workers and those raises are set to begin next year.
0: Okay, so let's walk back and just lay out what the tip minimum wage is and what that looks like across the country. I know that federal minimum hourly wage. I know that federal minimum hourly wage is $7.25 an hour. But in most states, it's legal for employers to pay tipped workers for less than this. Is that correct?
1: Correct. So D.C. joins just eight states currently that don't have a tipped minimum wage. Those are Alaska, Mm -hmm. California, Hawaii, Minnesota, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington State. But elsewhere, employers can choose to pay tipped workers below that federal minimum, which, as you mentioned, is $7.25 an hour, There are just a few exemptions to that. So for example, if an employee spends more than 20% of their time engaging in work that doesn't produce tips, these are things like side work, like rolling silverware or refilling condiments, then the employer has to pay the full minimum wage rate. And anytime a server doesn't earn enough tips to equal at least the minimum hourly wage, employers also must pay that balance. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. they can pay lower than the $7.25 an hour. And it's this is what we refer to as sub minimum wage. And that rate varies by state, but currently 16 states pay the lowest federal minimum possible, which is just 213 an hour.
0: Okay, though. So but to summarize what you're saying, DC made the decision to get rid of its sub minimum wage. And soon employers of tipped workers will actually have to pay more than double the federal minimum wage. So in this decision, voters drew a really clear message, it seems, that Service workers shouldn't have to rely solely on tips to earn a substantial wage. But we know it's an added cost to restaurants, and not everyone agrees on the impact that eliminating tipped wages could have on restaurants. So talk to us some more about the main concerns you've heard voiced about getting rid of tip credit.
1: There's actually pretty widespread contention around this issue both among voters and operators and also industry workers and advocacy groups. So Mm -hmm. at the same time that Initiative 82 was passing in D.C., voters in Portland, Maine, rejected a very similar proposition that would have raised the minimum wage to $18 over the next three years, and that would have been for both tipped and non-tipped workers. And leading up to that, there were even news reports about restaurant workers in Portland gathering to protest the initiative. They're among the workers who worry that eliminating the tip credit could actually lead to lower wages and also cause some unintended consequences, for instance, like a shift towards counter service rather than table service. After that initiative passed in D.C., we heard from advocacy group, the National Restaurant Association. They put out a statement calling the decision, and I quote, a lose-lose for restaurant owners, tip workers, and customers The NRA believes that eliminating the tip credit could hurt restaurants in a time of economic recovery, and that operators really should have the choice to pick the payroll model that works best for their business. They said, and I quote again, tipping provides operators with the financial flexibility to hire more workers and control menu prices.
0: Mm -hmm. How about the supporters of eliminating the tipped minimum wage? What are you hearing from those in favor of the proposition?
1: So on the other side of the de- debate are those who argue that eliminating that tipped minimum wage is really a needed change and it brings the potential to create a more equitable and sustainable industry. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest supporters and advocates over the years have be- has been One Fair Wage and their members could be found celebrating those results in DC after that vote was called. I spoke with One Fair Wages Alex Marash. He's the Director of Policy and Communications for the organization and he said that eliminating the Eliminating the tipped minimum wage really comes down to economic stability and also basic fairness. So One Fair Wage has conducted multiple studies on pay equity, and it's they've shown pay gaps among restaurant workers, especially between women of color and white men. And he says that One Fair Wage is really just fighting to make the industry more equitable and sustainable. And he believes the proposition will help to attract more workers back to the industry and that restaurants will simply adapt to this new wage structure. Marash actually compared the policy change to when indoor smoking was eliminated in restaurants, and he noted that at the time, plenty of people thought that a ban on smoking would just destroy the restaurant industry. That's a ban on indoor smoking. But people continue to go out to eat, and they're willing to pay for it. And he says, and I quote, it's really about designing a business plan to fit the labor roles. That's a normal part of being any business owner
0: or operator. Mm hmm. You wrote about some restaurant operators who are looking at adapting their business model to cover the cost of the wage increases, as well as some who've already made that change. Talk to us about that.
1: Some operators in D.C. are already talking about moving to a service charge. So, for example, adding 20 percent to diners bills to make up for the increased hourly wages. I did speak with one operator, Kelly Phillips, who actually made that change back in 2020, well before Initiative 82, and it was a result of the demand she was seeing for increased wages that we all saw ignited during the pandemic. Phillips is the founder of DC restaurant group Destination Unknown Restaurants, and she said that she saw this labor model change as inevitable. So back in 2020, she added a 20% service charge at all three of her restaurants, And now part-time staff make at least $26 an hour, and full-time staff receive a salary between $56,000 and $70,000 a year. Phillips said that not only has this change increased retention and helped save money on things like hiring and recruiting, but on average, her servers actually make 15% more than they used to, and she says she feels good knowing that her staff do now have more stability. She doesn't deny that this kind of change will be a challenge for many small businesses, but with initiative 82 raising those wages incrementally over the next 5 years, she feels like there's enough time for operators to kind of figure out how to adapt and adjust their pricing. I was reading a report in the Washington Washingtonian and one DC operator that they quoted made kind of an interesting point to consider. She said that she believes, you know, sure operators will learn how to adapt and reorient their business model But ensuring that that proposition doesn't backfire and lead to lower wages for staff really may come down to consumers. So will consumers continue to tip for exceptional service when they know servers are getting paid $16 an hour? Without those tips, many front-of-house employees would then average less than what they were making before.
0: So it sounds like there's an educational component with consumers that may be required here. Despite the debate and potential impacts this might have... We do know that across the country, many restaurants have already chosen to pay a base of $7.25 an hour or more and are catering business models to support that higher wage. So do you have any predictions on where the concept of the tipped minimum wage might be headed towards in the future?
1: Right. We're especially seeing higher wages after the pandemic, when the industry's deep labor shortage began. And with operators desperately needing to attract workers, many took it upon themselves to increase wages. But supporters of eliminating the tipped minimum wage are doubtful that this kind of pay structure will really take hold industry-wide until there's federal or at least widespread legislative policy behind it. Many acknowledge that it's simply a tough choice to make as an employer, especially you know in some states where you're illegally allowed to pay as little as two thirteen dollars an hour and save significantly on labor. So advocacy groups just don't see the industry as united enough to set these standards on its own. And One Fair Wage is currently fighting to get the initiative on ballots in several other states. It's currently talking to lawmakers in Maryland. It's also collecting signatures to make eliminating the tipped minimum wage initiative in Arizona and Ohio in 2024. And if it does make it on the ballot, it's ultimately going to be up to voters. And looking at the mixed turnouts in D.C. and also Portland, Maine, it's really just going to be tough to predict the the results.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much, Grace. I know this is a topic that we'll continue to follow and continuing examining its impact as we move forward here. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Claudia. That's all for this week, folks. Until next time, take care.